to pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome place, Father, in Jesus' name. We declare that your will be done, O oh God, here, in this place, right now. Your will be done in and through us as it's being done and declared in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. Lord God, you said whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loosed yes. in heaven. You said that you are the light of the world. You said my people do perish for lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Lord God, you have come and demonstrated your love to us and for us by dying on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for being the sacrifice lamb for us. Amen. We thank you that your word makes sense. Yes. We thank you for the life that your word gives. Hallelujah. We thank you now tonight for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive the revelation of your gospel, yes. Father, in Jesus' name. And we'd also declare that no weapon formed against us will yes. prosper. Amen. That no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. I bind the spirits of confusion, distraction, disruption, snatching, hindrance, and delay. I command anything that doesn't belong to the kingdom of God to get out of this place. You are bound. Yeah. This place is secured tonight for the ministry of the Holy Ghost and the power of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord. You said the way of the Lord is strength for the upright. I thank you for the wisdom. You said if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We're asking for wisdom, and I ask, Father God, that I speak as the oracles of God. I thank you for this opportunity. Father, I am privileged in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's been here for 30 years, and now he's beginning to speak. And he says, So he came to Nazareth, verse 16, chapter 4 of Luke, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book, of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In Matthew, the first words out of Jesus' mouth when he began his ministry, according to Matthew, was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There are so many things I could tell you tonight and share with you. And the most important thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of truth. The power of truth. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus was very clear about what was going on on the planet. He had been watching for a long time. Finally, he had been given the green light to come to the earth. And he came and invaded this dark place, this kingdom taken over by Satan. And we all think we know the story. But I think we've forgotten some things about the story. This is a battle, this is a war. This war is between God and Satan for the souls of men. Yeah. Satan is a liar, a murderer, a thief. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
but he's very good at what he does. Jesus said, repent. Repent means change your mind. Stop believing the lies. There's so many lies, and yet they're so common. You know, we don't even know. It, where do you, okay, what isn't a lie? Practically everything down here is a lie. Satan is good at telling lies, and he uses a lot of truth to do it. And he uses your soul to convince you of those lies. Let me tell you the little story. I call it the snake pit story. You know, I, I counsel a lot of people. I've counseled for years and years, thousands and thousands of generational bloodlines and people and stories and stories and stories and pain and pain and pain. I came up, it feels like today I just came out of the operating room, you know, bloody. No, God is good. Um, I actually really like it. People say, how do you do that all the time? I say, it's just, I don't know, just in God's, I just like it. He anoints me. But in the beginning, now there's a couple of things. We've got to understand, this war between God and Satan for the souls of men is between truth and lie. And a lot, and a lot of the things that you believe, to be, you believe to be true are not true. But you act as if they're true in your life, and because you give them permission to be truth in your life, they get to, that you're, you're actually coming into agreement with the devil. There are two words that describe the spiritual warfare. They are agreement and authority. When you come into agreement with the lie, you turn your power and authority that God gave you, just like Adam and Eve, you turn your power and authority over to the one you yield it to. So in the war between God and Satan, there's only one rule in the war. And it goes like this. God says to Satan, okay, if they listen to you, you get them. If they listen to me, I get them. Mm -hmm. So it's all based on faith and whose report are you going to believe? Mm -hmm. Now that seems kind of simple, but it's not that simple because here's the deal. There's a couple of major things the devil attacks. I'm giving you the real highlights. He attacks two things. He wants to bring two things into question in your mind. The goodness of God and the goodness of man. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Who are you? Who is God? The concept of God and man determine everything, what you believe about those things. They're clearly given in the word, but the enemy also. You know, we have one gospel. We do. We just have one true gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of grace. That's right. The devil has rewritten it and given many versions. I'm not just talking about translations. Yeah. I'm talking about options. <clears throat> mixtures. Mixtures of law and grace. Mixtures of this and that. You know, your own opinions, your own ideas, whatever you want. There are so many Gospels, but none of them work. Because God says he will confirm his word with signs and wonders following. Not fake signs and wonders. Not lying signs and wonders. Satan has lying signs and wonders. For every single thing that God has, for every real thing God has, Satan has a counterfeit. Just think about it. How many counterfeits are out there? There's not a counterfeit for anything that isn't really real. You don't have counterfeit $30 bills, do you? But Satan knows he must seduce 
deceive and get us to come into agreement. Is there any fishermen? Are there any fishermen out here? I don't want to offend you, but you are deceivers. <laughs> I don't fish. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Come follow me. But, you know, how do you catch a fish? What do you need to catch fish? Bait. Yeah, bait, hook. What else? Hook, line, boat, water. Patience. What do you really need? You can have all that stuff and still not get a fish. What kind of fish? Hungry fish. Hungry fish. You're the hungry little fish. Satan is the fisherman. He baits the hook with exactly what you want. Now, if you're a Christian, what do you want? More of God. So what is he going to bait the hook with? Something that looks like more of God. Jesse Finn Lewis, 200 years ago, wrote a book called War on the Saints. And she said, in the last days, the people who would be the most likely to be deceived are the ones who are the most hungry for God. Ooh, ouch. We, Jesus said, we're in the end days. You know that, don't you? We're very close. We're in the end days. I mean, for some of us, maybe, I'm not going to preach on that, but I want you to know the first thing Jesus said when they asked him about that. He says, do not be deceived. Many will come in my name looking like me, sounding like me. You know, Jesus has miracles. Satan has magic. Uh Jesus has peace and freedom. Satan has programs and work. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. How are we going to tell the real from the counterfeit? By the fruits. What is the fruit of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of grace. What is the fruit of it? Rest. Peace. Joy. There is a rest to the believer. How many of us are resting? How many of you have got a problem here tonight? Uh-oh. That was a trick question. <laughs> the problem with, your, with you and I is that Satan is trying to convince us that we have a problem. I don't have any problems. All my problems are God's problems because I'm just the servant of the Most High God. And He is obligated because He is faithful. So if you have a problem tonight, the devil's trying to give you a problem so he can fix your problem. Do you know this? He gives you fear. He gives you loneliness. He gives you rejection. He takes advantage of our, our weaker, you know, our bodies. We're not bad, but we're weak. We need love. We need food. We need meaning and purpose. We need all kinds of things. And so Satan takes advantage. He makes you afraid. He starts in the womb. He starts at conception. He started before you were born with his plan to destroy you through the generational bloodlines and agreements that were made by your generations back. He's got permission slips on you from way back. I'm serious. And he doesn't forget them. He keeps track of them. Okay. So... He's going to get you to believe a lie. He's going to counterfeit God's word. He's going to bring you to destruction by teaching you, luring you, feeding you. Okay, so over here you're afraid, worried. I've got to. Oh, no. All right, whatever it is. Let's just use addictions. I, we don't start with an addiction. 
We start with something else. We start with a, a vacuum, of an emptiness, oh, a need for love or meaning or purpose or comfort. Everybody's built to need love, and Satan knows it. Because Satan knows we're made in the image of God. You know what? There are some gospels out there that say men are depraved. And some that say men come from monkeys. But God says, I made them in my image. And he hasn't stopped making us in his image. Male and female, just in case we would need that little clarification. He made us in his image. To love what? He loves. What does God love? God loves justice, truth, mercy, righteousness, peace, purity, holiness, goodness. What does God hate? Injustice and sin. So when God created you in his image, he created, he created you to resonate with the truth, to love truth, to love justice. So why do you and I get mad down here in the snake pit? When things aren't fair? Because we're made by the devil and acting like him? Or because we're made by God and, like, and hate injustice just like him? People say you're acting like the devil. No, I don't like it. It is making me mad. If you get mad, by the way, just look one layer deeper to see what the injustice is. And then you take that crime committed against you to the Most High God and you turn it over to that judge because if you're judging it, he can't because you can't have two judges on the case at the All same right. time. So you turn over to him, trust God, let go of it, and keep yes. going. Good. Yes. Amen. Okay, so we're back to in the beginning. God created us. I'm telling you my snake pit story, okay? <laughs> so a lot of this stuff is back there on the table, who am I, and knowing, and I mean, this is tons of stuff. We're born, created, in the mind of God, conceived, and thrown into the snake pit, where the God of this world, Satan, works to psychologically recondition you immediately to obscure your divine nature and to rewrite it into a fallen human nature with sin at the top. God says you are a human being. Satan wants to say, no, you're a human doing. Satan wants to make you to believe that what's happening to you in the pit, what you're doing, thinking, feeling, saying, experiencing, what people are doing and saying and thinking to you is who you are. He's recreating you as a doing. And then you don't like yourself because you're doing stuff you don't like. Mm -hmm. Like what? Like being a jerk or not good enough, you know. So we get this list of things we don't like because we're made in the image of God. So this stuff is annoying. I'm not perfect. I'm not righteous. I'm not, you know, I, I've got to try harder. I'm alone. I'm afraid. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too whatever. Big, long list. i got to lose five pounds. Whatever, whatever. And so we begin to work, 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 work on the list. Now, that's not grace. That's work. Yeah. Wear yourself. Okay. Trying harder. But over here, on my torture rack. <laughs> i, I got a torture rack. That, Satan is setting you up on a torture rack. Yeah. On this side, I've got to be good. Why does he tempt us with that? Because he knows we want to be good because we're made by God. Do you like to be muddy and dirty and bit by snakes? No. So I've got to be good. On this side of the torture rack, he sets me up to stumble and I'm never good enough. So what do I do? I try harder. Over here I'm afraid. I'm alone. I'm abandoned. Satan wants to be the savior. 
He wants to be God. He wants to heal people. He wants to answer prayers. He wants worship, just like the ones you got. So he's setting up this problem for you. Then he's going to come and another demon is going to come and give you a solution to the problem. The, the solution might be drugs. It might be the, the, the solution to fear might be take care of yourself. Control. Walls, don't let anybody touch me. I'll be all right. I don't need anybody. So over here, I'm afraid. Over here, I'm strong. Now, just who do you think you are? Because you are neither one of them, but you are trying to be both of them, and the devil's sending you this way to pull your, get your act together because he comes and says, look at you. You're a mess. You're a mess. Fix it. So you begin to do stuff. You get religious. It's so easy to get religious. I got to be good. You got to be good. You got to be good. Oh, guess what? Jesus. What did he say about being good? Oh, there's none good but one, and that's God. And I didn't read anywhere, and I've read the Gospels quite a few times. I never saw in there where Jesus said, okay, guys, I'm, I've already to take off. And I just got a couple more things. You got to get this. This one you got to get. You got to be good to get to heaven. He didn't say that? Well, then why is that the big thing we're all trying to do? How do you get saved? How do you get to heaven? By the blood of Jesus or by being good? We all know this. Your spirit knows this because the Holy Spirit bears witness. So why are we, we get so hooked up on trying to be good? Now, there are only two kingdoms. You've got to know a couple things. We've got the rules. We've got the war. We've got two kingdoms only. Heaven and hell. God and Satan. Truth and lie. Your computer only has two options, on and off. Otherwise, your computer wouldn't work. But, the, but many churches have put in a third option called the flesh. Oh, it's just my flesh. Sinful flesh. Oh, it's just me. Me? I don't have a kingdom. Everybody's going to end up in one of them two kingdoms one day. But the devil wants you to take that me, me option so he can put blame and guilt on you so he can mess with you even more. Jesus knew this was going to happen. How do you suppose people get broken hearts, wounded, demonized? Can Christians have demons? Can Christians have rats in their house? Does having a rat in your house make you a rat? Christians think, well, I can't have a demon because light and darkness can't be in the same place at the same time. God and Satan can't be in the same place at the same time. Tell me something. Where is God? Everywhere. Well, where in the world then could Satan ever be that God isn't already? <laughs> and in the Garden of Gethsemane, both Satan and Jesus were in the same place at the same time. In the wilderness, Jesus and Satan in the same place at the same time. In the book of Job, Satan went up there and talked to God right there in heaven. Don't kid yourself. Light and darkness, the light's, light's more powerful. When the light's here, the darkness is, is not, a, is not um, apparent. So that's not a very good a theory. It doesn't work. So light and darkness can't be in the same place at the same time. They can. 
God is in you. And we have also been demonized. Now back to the, my list, and I'll tell you how that works. I'm in the snake pit. I experience things in the pit. It's called your family. <laughs> Some of us get worse pits than others, I know. Why are you laughing? Did you all have a family too? No. Oh, in this, in this experiences, we go to the lists, the list of I've got to, I, I need to, try harder, never enough, be good, do, 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 do. So at the bottom of this do, 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 do list, to do list, top is sin. I want to get rid of the sin. Paul says in Romans 7, uh, I worked on that list for a long time. I'm still doing things I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I hate, I perform. The things I perform, I hate. This is Paul the Apostle, who is saved, writing in Romans chapter 7. Yes. 6, 7, and 8 of Romans. If you can't spend time reading anything else, read that. He says, I am trying to do this list over here. And the devil says, do more, do more, do more. Jesus says, honey, it's done. It's done. It's finished. So we get all wrapped up trying to get rid of our sin that Jesus took care of 2,014 years ago, give or take two or three years, depending on how you count it. And we miss the whole point. If your life is all about your sin or all about you getting better or being good, then your life is all about you. And what did Jesus say to the disciples? I want you to make sure, oh, by the way, you can't do anything until you're good, until you're perfect, and until you get this right. Look at those guys. They were still a mess after he died. Good grief. He had a lot of faith. So Paul says, I'm doing the things I don't want to do. Then he made an observation. He says, well, wait a minute. Now, here's where the depravity becomes a problem. If I think I'm depraved, it's going to mess everything up. Mm -hmm. I can go into that for a long time. You can read that in one of my books. Maybe I'll go to it later. But he says, he says, Paul says, wait, with my inward man, I agree with the law of God that it is good. Do you agree with the law that, of God that it is good? Mm -hmm. Why? Do you know why you agree with the law of God that it is good? It's a very easy answer, but nobody ever thinks about it. Why? Because it indicates the truth about who you are. You were built by God to resonate with God. Right. To love truth, to want truth, to resonate, embrace truth. Yeah. Your spirit is resonating with God's spirit. Mm -hmm. So Paul is saying, okay, I, I believe God, I love God, I love God's law. But, but, I see this war going on inside of me, the one who wills to do good. That was Paul, the apostle, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, writing under the anointing and inspiration of the Holy Spirit right there. Right. Mm -hmm. Whoa. He's being pretty transparent, I'd say. Yeah. So he says, I see this war going on inside of me, the one who wills to, wants to, do good. Then he 
he, <laughs> the next verse, man, 7.20, Romans 7.20. It will blow away uh, every strategy of Satan to fix us through treatment programs, try harder, self-help, self-perfection, etc. When Paul says this, in other words, he says, if I am doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. Right. If I am doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. How many of you have had kids that have said, I didn't do it? And you say, yes, you did. That was your hand that went into that cookie jar. And then you're stuck. You don't know how to refute that. But Paul says, I didn't do it. God didn't say, oh, Paul, stop. Whoa, stop the pen. Erase that last line and say, tell them, you need to take responsibility. Uh -huh. Oh, sorry, people. That precious Human, demonized word, responsibility, is not in the Bible. Do you want to throw me out now? <laughs> you better tell me what, what is in the Bible then. God does not use the word responsibility. Maybe some of the later translations and message, but I don't know. What they, I don't read them. But God uses the word faithful. When... The devil can get you to take responsibility for your act, your sin, which he is guilty of setting you up to do in the first place and you got tricked into believing the lie. Then you will take the guilt and then he will bring a demonic judgment upon you and blame it on God and you'll get mad at God. I know I said a lot right there. Did you follow that? Okay, good. Then I don't have to say it again. Okay, this demonic judgment. That's how the devil isolates us, separates us from God. Because he says, you are bad. You broke God's law. You sinned. Therefore, now get this. Satan is the biggest hypocrite in the universe. He's the biggest law breaker. And he's the biggest tattletale about the law. He watches everybody to see if he can get you to break the law. Because he loves it when people break the law. And Jesus says, guys, the law has been taken care of. You are in the New Testament. Please don't mix the two. He gets really upset. There is one thing that upsets God, Romans chapter 11. When you mix the gospel with the gospel of love, the gospel of grace with works. You say, am I, I going to tell everybody in here to be totally irresponsible, you know, Abuse grace. Do I look irresponsible? No. No. But it sure will free you up a lot so you can be faithful to God. God says, Paul was talking, and I'm go, but I'll go back to Romans 7 in a minute. Paul was talking in Romans 11. He says, you know, is, is Israel going to be saved? And God says in verse 5, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Jesus came to preach one gospel that is the gospel of grace. Yes. Not a gospel. Uh, it's a promise to Abraham, to even Adam, to us. A promise. God's keeping a promise. It's received by faith. If it were a gospel of works, we would earn our salvation and God would be a debtor to us. 
So, if you mix those Gospels, and we do this so easily, because we, we're still not real good at sorting out what's really going on, because we're still trying to figure it out, and most of us have demonic counselors, I call them the pious deceivers, who are actually operating inside of us to help us get to heaven. Ooh, did you get that? No. No, I'll go back to that. All right, so... We, this is very complicated. Now let me go back to what Paul, let's go back to Romans 7. God didn't tell him to erase it. He said, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. Paul is saying, I'm not doing it. God says, that's right. Keep writing. He says, then he says, oh, wretched man that I am, miserable man. You've ever been miserable, trying to do good. Oh, wretched man that I am. And then what's the next word out of Paul's mouth? What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to have to get me a new self-help book. I'm going to join, get an accountability partner, join weight management or anger management or go to treatment. Oh, I know. They haven't killed me yet. I say a lot of things that everybody doesn't like to hear because everybody's built a whole society on a bunch of garbage. And that's why they're bound. But anyway, he says, who will, who W-H-O. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul is the apostle and he's needing deliverance. What do you think we're going to need? You and I. <laughs> Who will deliver me from what? Did he say what? This body of death. Body of, what's a body of death, people? Well, he didn't have language. I think if he was writing that today, he would have said something like this. Who will deliver me from this demonic programming? What demonic program? Well, you know, body of death, body of sin, sin and death, operating software from hell that was downloaded into Adam and Eve, where? After the sin. After they came into agreement with the enemy, and what happened? The devil took their power. So where do you suppose the devil downloaded his software? Into their big toe? Or into their soul? So what's a soul? Well, what's flesh? We should define that a little bit. Oh, flesh. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, wonderful, awesome, incredible. A little weak, a little susceptible, vulnerable, but awesome. Fearfully and wonderfully made. But in my flesh, Paul says, dwells no good thing. You can have a very nice computer, hardware, and you can have a very virus software in that very nice computer. So Satan downloads his body of death, work harder, you're no good, you're depraved, hate yourself, software, and your soul and your body are called flesh when they're together. Living flesh. And when they separate, your body becomes a corpse and your soul goes somewhere else. So let's look at that soul for a second. What is the soul? It's our navigating system. When you got your body and your soul together, they navigate. And your soul has a couple of parts. It has a mind. It has a will. And we have emotions. With your mind, you think. By very virtue of saying, I think, you're saying, I think. Which means, I'm not sure, but I think. Or you can use your heart to make a decision and you say, um, I'm afraid. I'm a little anxious. Fear. 
And your will says, well, I'm a little confused because you said, I think we should go, but I don't feel like it. So what are we doing? So we have doubt in the head, fear in the heart, confusion in the will. Now, remember, there are only two kingdoms. So where's doubt, fear, and confusion from? Heaven. By their fruits you shall know them. Doubt, fear, and confusion are in your soul, corrupting it. So where do we pick up all the information? That programming information, those equations and information was pulled out of the pit. I'm stupid. Nobody likes me. I got I to gotta be quiet. I'm not going to let anybody touch me. I'm alone. All these lies are programmed. And you agreed with them. Because when you were little and you were uh, vulnerable and subconsciously, I, I, you, you agreed with them. And part of the agreement comes from passive agreement. Jesus said he was not with me, is against me. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. If you don't resist the devil and you give him passive agreement, that's good enough for him. You just never said nothing about it, so it's a go. All right? So we're agreeing with that lie. And so Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Then he says, he answers his own question. He says, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Once you're saved in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. And when is that? Now, are you feeling condemned sometimes? Do you feel tormented? Are you using your soul software? Or are you using your spirit software? If you're using your soul software, the devil's right there to tell you everything you did wrong and what you need to do to get it right. Which is going to wear you out. Because you're going to keep trying all the time. Now, it's trying in the Bible. Did Jesus use the word? Trying. Need to try to be good. Try to heal the sick. All right, let's try to heal the sick, boys. Let's practice today. <laughs> Come on. You can do better than that. Try a little harder. Uh-huh. Trying is not in the Bible. And trying actually is from hell. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do it or don't do it. Quit trying. It wears you out. All right. So back to, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So then why are so many believers so defeated? I'd say about 99.5% of them are so defeated. They're so busy trying to be good and get their act together and quit sinning and that they have no time to go make disciples, preach the gospel, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Oh, I'm not worthy to do that. Come on, people. We got no more time to be selfish and sit in the molly grubs and think about ourselves and me, me, me. Jesus said, you, he said, you follow me and I will perfect that which concerns you. Do you trust him? Then stop using your demonic counselors to figure out how to get to heaven because what's the chances that fear, doubt, and confusion are going to give you good directions on how to get to heaven and make God happy? They're not. You're going to be going back and forth on the torture rack. And Jesus says to you, honey, what you doing on the torture rack? Come on. 
I died for you. Let's go feed the ducks. Let's go for a walk in the park. You say, I can't do that. That's too easy. Yeah, right. It's all good. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You, know, you want to hear the devil's gospel? The devil takes the word of God. He uses scripture. He preaches out of the Bible. He knows it better than us. He can give a better altar call than the best altar call any human being can give. He says, here's the devil's gospel. Stop sinning. Try harder. Be good. Get it right. Do it over. Measure up. And if you're in treatment, stay sober. What's Jesus' gospel? Come unto me. Come on. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Follow me. We'll take care of it, honey. It's okay. Truth will set you free. The true gospel will set you free. The rest of the gospels are going to bring you to despair. So, okay, so Paul says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh. But how does that work? Because, you know what? After you're saved, you still have options. You can still use that old software, or you can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the familiar spirits have trained you to feel more comfortable with being depressed or being defeated, or being guilty, or being unworthy. What? What does guilt do for you? Well, I'll tell you what guilt does for you. Guilt has friends. Guilt is a demon. And we talked about this last night, how to cast out a demon. You need to name them. How do you name demons? Anybody? Teen challenge? By what they by what they do and by what they hold on to. The territorial spirits. Okay, so by what they do. Jesus did those two things. He showed us. By what they do. Uh, what do they do? Well, we have this, the mute spirits. We have the unclean spirits. We have the deaf and dumb spirits. We have the in spirits of infirmity. We have spirits of happiness. We have, those are a few that Jesus named. That, you know, that doesn't mean there isn't spirits of addiction just because Jesus didn't name them. Right. So whatever they're doing, that's one way you name them. And the other way you name them is by what they hold on to. Those are called the territorial spirits. And that, you know, remember the Daniel story of the, the prince of Persia withstood the angel who came to give the message to Daniel? And then the angel says, I had to go get Michael, man. The angel Michael to clear the heavenlies to get that message through. And then Gabriel, it was Gabriel who brought the message. Gabriel says, yeah, and I got to get going because now the prince of Greece is after me. So they had two spirits, two territorial spirits. One, they were taking the names of the territories they were princes over. The demons are arranged. The devil has arranged everything in a hierarchy. I'm going to tell you something. In this country, we are so naive. We're like babies with candy bars that Satan just comes and rips them out of our hands and kidnaps us and throws us in the ditch. We don't even think demons exist. That's true. Most of our churches, I couldn't even say this in there. They'd, get, they'd throw me out. I'm, a, I'm surprised you have not thrown me out yet. Praise God. You're very kind. No, but in, in Africa, right, Faith? In Africa. And she shows up at the meeting last night, and I'm telling the people stuff that we've never heard. I said, you know what? The demons in Africa kill you. 
the African people, the black people, the, the, the nations of India, South America, they know this stuff. Yeah. They're far more spiritual than we are. I don't say they're more free necessarily, but they're far more spiritual. Because they know this. We have intellectual demons here. We have sophisticated demons here. We have demons of religion and reasoning uh -huh. and reality and responsibility. And they're demons. But you don't call it that. Well, I do. But anyway, so these demons, we begin to name them. Because if you don't name them, They'll just play with you. No, you won't. Now, before you can do that, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know that you are the created son or daughter of the Most High God. You have been given power and authority. And that power and authority is going to stick because Jesus is the authority behind it. Amen. It is time. You know, we have been, I'm sorry, you have wonderful worship. You have a beautiful building. You must have a lot of fun here. A lot of nice parties. But it is time to get out into the trenches because yeah. they're bloody and dying all over the place. And I was going to tell you about guilt's three friends. Okay, Guilt is a demon. <clears throat> What's the lie that guilt tells you? What does guilt say? You got to... Yeah, that's one of them. Guilt says I'm guilty, right? Yeah. If I'm guilty, then what? I deserve what? Punishment, yes. Punishment and pain are both defined in Webster's Dictionary as the same thing. Pain and punishment. So if I am guilty, if I agree with the devil I am guilty, then I deserve pain. How many people have pain in their body, pain going on in their life for 20 years because they're feeling bad and guilty about something? Yeah. All right, that's one friend. If I am guilty, I don't deserve good things. So that is poverty. So Satan comes to steal your blessings because you've already agreed with them. I don't deserve them. Right? And then he's got another buddy called I am bad or shame. And when you say I am bad, <laughs> you're going to have problems with your health. Big time immune system problems because God created your immune system to protect and preserve that which is good. But if the devil can get you, who have also the authority of this body, to speak negatively, oh, I'm sick. I'm never going to make it. Oh, my mother died of cancer. Oh, no. You begin, I don't know. I don't, I'm just a mess. Whatever, whatever. You begin to speak confusion about you and your worth. Right. I'm no good. I'm bad. I'm stupid. The immune system says, whoa, okay, I'm confused. I thought she was good. God said she was good. She says she's bad. Well, I know what we'll do. We'll just go ahead. We're a little confused, but we'll just go start a little. We'll eat up the myelin sheath. Give her a little MS. Yeah. Or Crohn's. Or diabetes. All of the autoimmune system diseases are an enemy of confusion, setting you up in opposition to yourself because he can and before you're going to get well, we got a lot of stuff back there on that too. Every, you say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You think there's a devil behind everything. Everything's a devil. Well, I'll say to you, it's either God or the devil. And there isn't all this other in-between stuff like, oh, well, it's just mental illness. Is that what Jesus said? When in Mark chapter 9, when they brought the little boy who was pretty much, I'd say, epileptic, autistic, whatever, 
Did Jesus, oh, it's just mental illness, guys. Get him some medications. <laughs> you said, well, they didn't have medications back then. Well, I don't think he'd have said it even if they would have. Do you? Why not? Because he cast out four or five demons. And then what happened to the child? It was fine. What do we do? We, we spook. We freak. I can't handle that. I don't know what that is. But I tell you what. It's pretty hard to get a healing without getting to the root. The lie is the root. The sickness, the sin or sickness is the fruit. The lie is the root. So if you want a real healing, you have to go to the lie. You have to go to the place where the devil got you to agree with something. Now, this is good news. The devil can't make you do anything. Because if he could, he would have already done it. You'd be dead and in hell. So, but he's got to get an agreement. But he can use the agreements of the generations before you to set up so much pressure, so much influence, so much he rigs the pit. Mm-hmm. You see the generational patterns, they come down just like crazy. Mm-hmm. Look at it, think about your own. I mean, you can't deny it. And if there's a pattern of evil, then there's got to be a pattern maker. There's got to be a demonic intelligence behind that pattern that is going to repeat in about 16 inches. Because wallpaper repeats every 16 inches, right? So in every new generation, the same old things. Only problem is each new generation has twice as many demons as the one before them because there's twice as many bloodlines represented. How many people do you think it came, had to live on this earth to bring you forth? And you're representing all their bloodlines. So every generation gets twice as bad as the one before. That's why I think Jesus has got to come back pretty soon. Because yeah. he just can't handle it anymore. <laughs> now we're like three minutes to eight or four minutes to eight. I'm going to talk for two more minutes. I have no idea what I'm going to say. What should I say? (laughs) But then I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to encourage you to get some of the materials back there. Um, We've been teaching this stuff, right, guys? Did I say everything tonight? No. No. (laughs) No. Didn't it make sense what I told you those couple of days we were working with you? Yeah. So what do you want me to tell them? What's, what's a few last things I should tell them? Quick. Hmm? Anything? Jesus wants you to know the truth. Whom the Son sets free is free. I will, I'll tell you this. This will be the last thing. Okay, so here's how it works. Satan, just like with Eve, he tempted her. A temptation is not a sin, guys. And by the way, the sword of the word is able to separate a thought from an intention. So if you get tempted... The Lord God knows, even though the devil can convince you you just sinned, God knows the truth. So, the devil tricks you. And by the way, after you're saved, you are still trickable. So that, oh, and can a Christian lose their salvation by sinning too much? And does the Holy Spirit move in and out every time you sin? Oops, oops, gotta go up. She's back. (laughs) Silliness. How do you get saved? You get saved by believing in the Son, not getting rid of sin, right? So you don't lose your salvation by sinning. You lose your salvation by failing to accept the Son. You say, well, 
That's too easy. Everybody's going to go out there and sin now. Do you really want to sin? Do you really want to sin? No. Why not? Because you're made in the image of God. You resonate with the truth. You feel a lot better when you're holy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Satan tricks us, gets the little fish, the hungry little fish, to take the bait. Now, is that little fish bad because he's hungry? Okay. So he takes the bait. Now, he was just looking for lunch. And what happens? Now he becomes lunch. And he learned his lesson. And he had it coming. And God says, Eve, too bad, honey. You made that bed. You lay in it. Did he say that? No. So, Eve was wise, she said. God says, what, what's going on down here? She says, the serpent deceived me. That was the truth. She didn't say, I didn't do anything. But she knew what had happened. We don't always know because we think it's us. I. The devil impersonates you as the strong man in the first person. I am afraid. I am stupid. I am. Okay, so here's the deal. When I am afraid comes to make you feel afraid, you said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What time I'm afraid I will trust in God. Shut up. Get out of here. Don't discuss it with him. Don't debate with him. Don't have tea with him. Don't try to explain anything to him because he won't listen. But when he gets you to take the bait and you sin, here's what happens. You sin and the law, which was taken care of, by the way, by Jesus, is totally satisfied. But the devil wants you to think the law is still alive and well in your life. And so you broke a commandment or something. By the way, you know what? If you do the law of, God, of love, you keep, you've kept all those commandments. Because the ten don't tell you you have to love anybody. They just say don't kill them. <laughs> so the devil gets you to break a law. And then he says, to your, through your soul, he says, I sinned. I and then another thought comes, and God is mad at me because I broke God's law. And God says, what are you talking about? I gave you, it's grace, honey, it's grace. I knew you were going to sin. I know everything from the foundation of the world. I'm not even disappointed. I knew you were going to sin. It's okay, but here's the deal. Repent now. You think Christians don't sin? Then don't read First John. Because first John was telling Christians when you sin, don't call God a liar and say you don't sin. Right. And here's what you do. You confess the sin. Yes. What that means is you're coming out of agreement with the devil and saying, God, you're right. You're I right. sinned. You're right. You're right, God. I blew it. I, I got tricked. And then you say, and, and I'm repenting. I'm canceling out that agreement. Cancel out the agreements and declare the truth. Yeah. That's how you yeah. get free. Yeah. Cancel out the agreements. So anyway, but Satan's got me in that religious headlock, and he says, you broke the law. Now God is mad at you, because you know what? That was God's law, and God is mad at you. And so then, because you sinned, and then you're getting out of going to work, and you have a flat tire, you think, well, that's God. He's mad at me. I knew it. And then pretty soon, the next bad thing is that, well, yep, God's still mad at me. Oop. So if God's mad at you, 
Now, is God really mad at you? No. Okay, he's not. Well, why do we act like that then? Because, see, Satan wants to turn us sour our relationship with God. So Satan doesn't get any blame. You took his blame. So when Satan presents, accuses you before the court of heaven, he says, God, she's sinning. And she even agrees with me she's sinning. So what, you, you go to court and agree with the prosecutor? <laughs> what can the judge do then? There is no more case. We've agreed with the liar who's accused us of doing what he did. And then we take his punishment. And then Satan gets two for the price of one, and we begin to see God as crabby and angry and unfair. God is good, God is love, and God is coming back. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, may your gospel, the gospel of love, truly, we sing about it, we talk about it, now let us know it. Amen. To know that we know what we know, Father, that's your goal for us. Not to think and feel and hope and try and should and could and die. Mm -hmm. Father, in Jesus' name, yeah. I pray your blessing as we release this congregation. Those who have to go, please leave quietly. <laughs> I don't care. Make all the noise you want. Be happy. I don't care. And the rest of you, if you want to hang around a little bit, we'll hang around a little bit. Yeah. All right. Did I do it right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What? Aren't you leaving? <laughs> Seriously, you're able to go. I mean, I, you got kids, you got things. And what do you want me to do now? Should I just minister? Questions. questions is great. Yeah, I'll do a few questions, and then we'll do some ministry. We can do a blanket ministry. We can do a, uh, you know, we've got to break the curses of the generations. So um, let's do that before we lose too many. All right, here's the deal. You are the authorized representative of your generational bloodline because you represent all those bloodlines. And the, the goal of Jesus Christ is to bring all the bloodlines back to the cross. And so he is in drawing you, giving you the opportunity to help him reestablish his domain, his kingdom, his goodness, his truth within those bloodlines by bringing them back to God. So what has to be done is there has to be confession. So the five things you need to do to break the curses are you need to, first of all, identify what particular sins or curses or things are going on in your life or your bloodline. And by the way, this helps your children a lot and your grandkids a lot. So you're going to identify, well, in my family bloodline, there was bloodshed, there was murder, there was idolatry, there was, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So you identify. Second of all, you confess those things as an abomination. So Holy Spirit, right now, bring it to their mind. What are the particular things that you want them to be aware of? Some things that maybe you don't even know, but he'll bring it to your mind. What, we're going, what was going on in your bloodline? Confess it, and then we're going to bring it to the mind, and then we're going to repent for our own participation in it. Then we're going to forgive those people who open the doors because we're not mad at them. We're not blaming them. We're looking at the demonic familiar spirits that have come down the bloodline. And finally, a lot of people forgive, but they forget to pick up the, their blessings. You're going to ask the Lord, the court, to restore unto you 
justice, truth, mercy, goodness, righteousness, everything that was stolen from you. Okay? So, Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to bring this precious bunch of people to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He didn't say, my good little sheep who go to church and tithe know my voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. So he's going to tell you. He's going to speak to you. Jesus, son of the living God, do you love my brothers? Do you love my sisters here? Do you love them? What do you know? And Lord God, we're going to bring this before the court of heaven right now. Are you going to listen to us? Is he going to listen to us? Yes. All right. I'm going to say it. You repeat it. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you right now as the authorized representative of my generational bloodlines to do business this day before the court of heaven on behalf of myself, those who have lived before me, and those who are to come, including my descendants. I come to confess the sins and the iniquities even as Nehemiah and Daniel did. I come to confess the sins of idolatry, relying on the power of darkness, seeking favor from the kingdom of darkness, worshiping false gods, crafting graven images, participating in rituals, agreeing with the devil, I declare all idolatry in my life, in my generation, to be an abomination to the holiness of the Most High God. I confess the practices of witchcraft, rebellion, disobedience, control, manipulation, hardness of heart, stiffness of neck, blindness. Unteachableness. Unteachableness. I declare all of these things to be an abomination to the one true God who created heaven and earth. I confess the sexual perversion, the lust, the uncleanness, the adultery, the incest, the pornography, the rejection of the truth about the sacredness of the human body. I declare all of these things as practiced in my generation to be an abomination against the heart of God, the purity and the holiness of the Most High. I confess the practices of religion, self-righteousness, mixing law and grace. I declare these things to be an insult to the cross of Jesus Christ. I confess the anger, rage, violence, murder, bloodshed, shedding of innocent blood, to be an abomination to the Most High God and His heart. I confess the lying, the stealing, the betrayal, the rejection, the refusing to love, the dishonesty, the selfishness, the covetousness. I declare all of these things as practiced in my generations to be an abomination to the Most High God. I confess 
the use of false comforts, the, of false comforts. the, addictions, the addictions to things that are not God, to be an abomination and a detriment to my life. I repent for my own participation in these things, both knowingly and unknowingly. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, to take your sword of truth and break the curses of the words, the deeds, the actions, the dedications, the vows, the rituals, the oaths, the prayers, the promises, the covenants, the contract, contracts, the symbolic dedications, anything Satan would use to hold me in an agreement. I ask you, Lord God, to break every soul tie that has bound me to anything other than you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for, de for using the devil's solutions and his descriptions of who I am. And I repent. And I choose by an act of my will to forgive and release from my judgment all of those who have gone before me, who have opened the doors, who have sinned, listened to lies, and brought this trouble down upon us. I release them from my judgment. And I turn the crimes that have been committed against all of us to the high court of heaven. And I'm asking you, Lord, to restore unto us everything that has been stolen, that you restore unto us the justice, the joy, the peace, the peace of mind, the truth, the mercy, the honor, the hope, the goodness, and the love of God. I thank you, Jesus, that this day I declare that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God and that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our bloodlines from all wickedness, all enslavement to the devil. Thy will be done, O God, on and in and through me, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I do so to with you again. If such an anything, it shall be done. Break, 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 break. I command the demons that were holding on to these agreements now, you agree. I command the demons, tell the ones that are in you, get out of here. Get out of here. Name them if you can. I will not agree with you anymore. I take authority in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of the Lamb because Satan is trespassing in your temple. You can take the devil to court because he is a trespasser. You stand your ground. It was done at the cross. It is under the blood, but you have to appropriate it. Amen. All right. Now you can go.